0: Today's episode of the Finding Light podcast is sponsored by Joe Garrett at Garrett and Robinson Investment, where they deliver the support and financial guidance that you need regardless of what the upcoming days, weeks, or even months might bring. And Dr. Donna Thomas-Moses, who specializes in periodontics, temporomandibular complex, TMJ, and dental implants. At her practice, she strives to make you feel comfortable and relaxed throughout your evaluation and treatment. Visit SarahClaudia.com for more information about our
1: wonderful sponsors. Hey everybody and welcome to the Finding Light podcast where we talk about finding light and happiness despite the dark circumstances we may be facing. I'm your host, speaker and author Sarah Claudia Tillman here with my wonderful co-host and colleague and (laughs) confidant Erica Rivers. Hello. We're going to start off like we always do, talking about the best things that happened to us this week. And mine was kind of fun. I got to hang out with my dad and we had pizza and a Disney Plus night. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. Disney's kind of our thing in mm-hmm. my family. So me and my dad love to watch some Disney Plus, we watched a documentary about Walt Disney. So Aww,
0: that's it was a fun. good evening really cool. Well, Mine was that I got to be on the radio with you. Yes. So thank you for having me on. It was super fun. We got to talk about what we do together and Mm -hmm. just give some tips and tricks about how to hang out with your blind friend. Yeah. So you did very good. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So our Bible verse today comes from our guest. It can be found in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Does that sound familiar? Yes. (laughs) I love it. Yes. So it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And that's really familiar to both of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want
1: to explain on that? I love that verse. It just means, I mean, it means a lot to me, you know, obviously, because I'm blind. I do everything by faith. But Mm -hmm. I think to most people, it just means leaning on God, you know, not leaning on this world and what you see around you, all the distractions and, you know, everything the world tells us and really focusing on your faith and and how God can lead you. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, I'm excited for today's guest. She is my neighbor and she's a friend of mine, Ivy Rollins. And Ivy is a woman who, she wears many hats. She has many roles. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's a small business owner. But today she's going to be sharing about her role as co-facilitator of the Carroll County survivors of suicide loss support group. I hope I got all the words in there because that is a long title. (laughs) But she's going to be sharing about that. And also she's going to be sharing about her own personal um, experience with suicide. So thank you Ivy for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell a little bit about you and where you're from and what you do.
2: So my name is Ivy Rollins. I uh, am a Carrollton High School and University of Westwood graduate from here in Carrollton. I worked at Carrollton Police Department as an officer for uh, about eight years. And that was most of my early adulthood career. And then I was blessed to be able to stay at home um, with my three daughters. I'm a small business owner. Uh, we are also a foster family in Carroll County. So we've had quite a few fosters and arrested, um provided rest for children in our community. Uh, but the reason that I'm here today is that I lost my father, uh, Mike Purdue, to suicide in 2003 um, when I was 20 and my dad was uh, 48 at the time.
1: Hmm. We're going to get more into that that story later. And I know it's a story that is probably very hard to share, but I think a lot of people are going to benefit from it today.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, can you tell us, well, our listeners, a little bit about the Carroll County survivors of
1: suicide (laughs) loss support group and there's an abbreviation for that isn't it because that's a long name there has to be yeah yes so we we refer to it as sof
2: which is survivors Uh, of suicide um and that's kind of what we call the group uh but it is a suicide loss support group and so it's a confidential peer support group um for anyone that has lost someone that they love to suicide, uh, it is sponsored and promoted by the Carroll Mental Health Advocacy Center and their amazing director, Jody Goodman. Uh, so we just kind of saw that there was a need there several years ago. Um, and Jody Goodman, the, the director, approached me and asked me if I was willing to facilitate the meeting, um, along with another friend of ours, uh, Angela Daly, who had also lost her nephew to suicide. Wow. And so that's kind of how the group um, became
0: to be. Those two women that you just named mm-hmm. are the best. Yeah, women. <laughs> yeah, they are. Well, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and your role as the co-facilitator? Sure. So
2: like I said, Angela and I both um, lost someone that we love very much to suicide. So um, we decided to start this group. But as, as facilitators, we uh, help promote it we answer questions we get emails take phone calls from people that are you know have any kind of questions about what the group is or what it does Um, we open up the building make sure everything's ready along with another employee of the mental health um, advocacy center they are also there each week that we are there and we guide um, discussions so that's uh, the gist of what we do and then Angela also she's the owner of West Georgia Woman Magazine and she does a Suicide awareness issue every September, so
1: um, we kind of help to promote that also. But as facilitators, that's our that's our main role. Wow, and we're we're gonna get more kind of into the how a meeting runs and and what to expect from it later. But I want to kind of pause right there because I know before you were a facilitator of a meeting, you were a member yourself of a different group after your dad committed suicide and you kind of mentioned that at the beginning. So share with us a little bit more about that kind of about your dad and, and who he was and that whole experience.
2: So I, um, ended up, uh, going, I was a member of another survivors of suicide law support group in noon. And I'll kind of touch on that in a minute. Um, and why, you know, that was not the most convenient, but so I started out, um, with what I would consider a great childhood, um, I was very close to my dad. I was certainly a daddy's girl. And then, about the age of 16, when I was 16, my dad started um, drinking pretty heavily and abusing narcotics. Um, he was um, very sick, and you know, felt that that he was um, suffering from some type of mental illness. And come to find out that it most likely was depression, even though he was never diagnosed. He kind of took what we call the white knuckle approach and. Um, would not seek therapy, Um, Just kind of held on tight and tried to handle it on his own. Um, And he would say things, you know, to my mom, like something's wrong with me, but I don't know what it is. And so I think the the stigma around mental illness, certainly 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, was way worse than it is now. And uh, just being a man and head of the household, you know, that all those things affected his lack of treatment and his lack of his unwillingness to get the help that he needed. Um, And so he just kind of spiraled out of control. And, you know, like I said, when, when he was 48, he he took his own life and left behind my mom and um, us three girls. And it was just, it was devastating. So we just, we kind of went into an autopilot and tried to survive for quite some time. Um, You know, there's a lot of isolation and shame that comes with that. I can remember lying to people, when they would ask me what happened, you know, shops like, Oh my gosh, what happened? And I would say he had a heart attack because I was just so ashamed and I didn't want them to be uncomfortable. I didn't want to be uncomfortable and uh, just a really dark, hard time in our life. And, um, you know, I just kind of began to lean on the Lord. I was very angry at him for a long time at my dad and the Lord. Um, at that time I had not been saved and, uh, I really just started to kind of lean into God and say, okay, I, I can't, I can't do this. You know, I, I I'm not strong without you. And uh, a couple years later, my mom had been going to these SOS meetings and said, go with me. I'm like, no, no, you know, I'm, I'm too strong for that. I don't want to share this. I don't want to talk. And so finally one day it was like, you know, God kind of said, Hey, I, I have a resource out there for you. You need, you need to use it. And I thought, oh, Okay. I go and, Um, And I did. And I cried the entire time so hard that I couldn't even speak. Um, But I remember leaving that meeting in that building and those people and thinking for the first time in a couple of years that I had finally met people that truly understood what I had gone through. And I was so thankful for that. And it was just such a relief to be able to talk to someone that knew what I was going through.
1: You you talked about being on autopilot there after everything happened. And that kind of caught my attention because that's how I was after losing my sight. That's how me and my whole family, we just kind of started doing the next thing and and not really dealing with it. And I think that causes a lot of trouble in families and anybody dealing with grief. When you just go on autopilot and you don't deal with it, eventually it's gonna catch up with you.
2: Mm absolutely 100% and we you know we see people come into meetings years later many years later that have done that for many many years and it just has built and built and built and then it's such a relief for them um, Mm -hmm. to be able to come into these meetings and just really you know start to heal yeah
1: Yeah, and like you said just being around people who understand and people who have gone through the same thing
0: yeah for sure well, can we circle back around to the stigma on suicide because we know it was worse back in the day but it obviously still exists and can you talk a little bit about that and how that's impacted your life
2: so i think for a long time uh i was very ashamed of that and i think a lot of people still are you know not just um suicide but mental illness uh in general you know we're i think people are afraid to say oh i have anxiety or i have depression or you know, we hide that a lot. Um, there's also a stigma behind medication, and certainly over abuse sometimes, and are abused and overused. Um, but there's also a need for that sometimes, too. And I think we just have to, you know, we're getting there. It's getting better. Mm-hmm. But we have to just continue to talk about it. Um, we have to find someone that we can trust. You know, good, there are good therapists out there. Sometimes it's, uh, it's hard to find the right one, mm-hmm. um, but they're out there. Mm-hmm. And we just have to continue to rely on God and ask for His direction, you know,
0: yeah. and things. Wow, that's great advice.
1: Yeah, and one of the best things I did after losing my sight was going to a Christian counselor. And I think for anybody searching, that would be a, a good place to start. And then, you know, they can pray with you and, and counsel you and lead you to, you know, if you need further, further help. I think that would be one of the best things to do. But I, I think— People just don't think it's real. I think that's the problem with mental illness. Like you don't you don't see it, you don't think it's real, it doesn't present itself like an like a physical illness would. I think that might be a, a big part of the stigma.
2: Right. And it's hard you're definitely right. You can't see it, you know. And so and a lot of times, you know, until things affect us personally, mm-hmm. it's kinda out of out of mind and we just don't have to deal with it. And I'll admit I was like that before my you know, I asked my dad to suicide. I had never worried about suicide or you know, of course, I had seldom even heard of it, yeah. thankfully. Um, but now it's much more prevalent. I hear it all the time. And maybe, you know, I am more sensitive to it. So I probably recognize that more. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, we we have to realize that these things are happening to people. And it can happen in our home. And it can happen in our family. And so,
1: yeah.
2: uh, you know, that's a, a stark realization.
1: Yeah. And you're right. The more The more we talk about it and kind of open up about it, the, the less that stigma is going to present itself. But as a, a member, a former member of the group, and now as a facilitator, what would you say are the biggest benefits of the support group?
2: So, you know, kind of like I touched on earlier, the, the biggest benefit to me is being with a group that you know understands.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: you can, I certainly suggest prayer. Uh, of course, he understands everything he made us. Um, so he understands you know, but to sit in a room of people that understand what we're going through and you can hear their experiences and share their experiences, um, just knowing that you're not alone. Um, It's a very different type of loss. You know, losing anyone is hard, but to know that someone chose to leave, no matter whether they were sick or not, you know, I understand now that my dad was very sick, but he still chose to leave me. And that's hard. Um, And that's, it's, It doesn't really get easier to be able to to, to be with someone else that understands that is very beneficial. And um, there's just so many emotions to to work through. And it's nice to be in a room of people that understand that.
0: That's good. So some people may still be hesitant to attend one of these meetings. So could you share with us a little bit about what they could expect if they were to walk through the doors their first time?
2: It is not what I thought it would be, or I would have gone much earlier. (laughs) Uh, after losing my dad and we have people that come almost immediately after a loss. and we have people that wait many years, but the, you know, we, we've actually laughed a lot. Uh, We talk about current events. Um, We talk, we cry, we tell stories. We talk about our loved ones, a lot of chit chat. Um, But I also want people to know that you you don't have to talk. Uh, We have people that come and they don't talk for many meetings. Um, They're not comfortable with that and that's totally fine. And sometimes listening is the best medicine. Mm -hmm. Uh, We sit around, we have a little coffee, Um, you know, we just kind of fellowship um, and just meet people that are going through the same things that we are. And the uh, meetings are 100% confidential. And so anything we talk about in there is, um, it stays in that room.
1: And I, do you know, you know, a lot of my listeners, they're not local. So do you know, are there support groups like this in every state or how does that work?
2: Um, there are a lot. Uh, you can go to, um, there's several, I know in in Georgia, the, um, oh gosh, it's a uh, Atlanta suicide prevention. If you You can pretty much Google survivors Mm -hmm. of suicide and there will be several um, websites that come up. There's several organizations and uh, we are listed there, our county, and then they also list other counties. So, you know, if you're in a different county and something might be more convenient for you in a different county or state, then you can certainly Google those and find those a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um, and and we're listed there for Carroll County, but we do also, you know, we have people that might come from Ramburn or Tallahassee, so it's it's not just for Carroll County residents, it's for anybody, but you need to find the one that's closest to you, probably, and most convenient. Yeah,
1: But the resources
2: are there, and it's out there.
1: Yeah, just have to kind of reach out and and search it out, but what would you say kind of in this day and age with, with COVID and everything that's going on, if somebody can't get out of the house and can't attend a meeting, what would be some guidance on just how to deal with that loss if they're stuck and they're by themselves?
2: So we do. Um, there are some, some great resources out there. Um, wayforhope.com is a great resource. So that's W-A-Y for hope, wayforhope.com. And then the Alliance of Hope, um, which is allianceofhope.org. Um, those are both great resources, and they have uh, forums, um, and I, I'm pretty sure, 90% sure, that they also, I know they have an, al- an online forum, and it's a, and kind of operates like a 24-hour uh, support group. So those are great resources, and actually one of our members is a member of, well, one of those is her page personally here in Carroll County, and the other one, she is a, a member of the Alliance of Hope for Suicide Ball Survivors, and that's a great resource. And then, of course, you always have the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Um, It's 1-800-273-TALK.
0: Okay. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. Are there any words of support you could give somebody who might have lost someone to suicide?
2: So someone uh, that was very close to my dad who had lost his brother to suicide told me at his funeral. Um, and I, I remember exactly where I was standing and exactly what he said to me. And he just looked at me and said, don't try to figure out why.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and, you know, almost 20 years later, I can tell you that I still don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I have come to peace with that, um, even though it does haunt me sometimes. I'm, I, You know, I'm at peace with understanding that I, I'm not going to know why. And there's some things that only God can answer. And mm-hmm. we can ask him when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, that's, my biggest, that's my biggest piece of advice. Um, I highly recommend you find a support group. If you're not comfortable with it, just push yourself to go one time. If it's not for you, it's not for you, you know, but we don't have people that come and never come back. Uh, They might be sporadic, but, you know, there's a need there. Um, So we just ask that you come, try it one time. Um, it, It completely changed my life and helped me to finally begin to heal so and there's you know there's no shame in this we understand it's prevalent and we just need to talk about it
1: yeah and I would think just come into one meeting even if you just make one connection find one person that you know you can call up anytime and just just talk to somebody who understands I know there's so much that you can benefit from finding somebody who's kind of walked in your shoes I know that's helped me a lot with my blindness and Um, I know it it can help really in any situation. And I know you've you've talked about your faith a lot and how that kind of grew and and that leads into our last segment that we always end the podcast with pieces of light. And it's kind of just the, the positive takeaways or the blessings that we can see in a dark situation, so what would you say are some of the pieces of light from, you know, losing your dad to suicide and this whole journey you've been on?
2: Um, you know, I don't I don't know. I got saved when I was 26. So it was six years after my dad died. And although I grew up in a Christian home, you know, we certainly believed in God. I wasn't truly saved until I was 26. And I don't know that I would still be uh, I don't know that I would be safe now if I had not really just fallen to my knees and said, okay, I can't. Um, so mm-hmm. for me, that's the biggest light in all of this. Um, you know, we also, I'm, I'm very thankful to be able to facilitate this group now and that we have this resource. You know, if I had not lost my dad almost 20 years ago, then who knows if anybody would be able to to facilitate this group and reach out and help so many other people. You know, so you do, you kind of have to find the light in that. And as much as I miss him, I know he's at peace and, you know, our family is at peace now. And, um, so that, that is our light.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing, knowing that God really can work even in the darkest of times. Like a lot of times people, when they go through those types of situations, they, they run from God and, and they ask the why question and, and they let it draw them further away. But he can work in those situations. If we draw closer to him, he can do some amazing things. And that's what I hope our listeners will get from your story. And I thank you so much for being on with us today and for sharing. And I want to remind everybody that you can go and hear more stories like this over at the Finding Light podcast. And You can read more stories as well if you follow me on Facebook, Sarah Claudia Ministries, and my blog over at sarahclaudia.com.
0: Yes, and if y'all haven't heard, Sarah Claudia released a book called Blind Faith Devotional. So check that out on her website or her social media or just Amazon, Blind Faith Devotional. (laughs) But thank y'all so much for tuning in and hope that y'all will continue to find light regardless of your
1: circumstances. I'll see y'all next time.